Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. The children have authority wherever the light is, which, and where the light is not, we bring it. That was good. I loved that. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dane Bornhold. Hello, and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Amber. And I'm here with my friend Tracy. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today, we are diving into another Westlands 101 episode. And as with all of our 101 episodes, the first half will be spoiler free for new readers. And then after the break, we get into all the nitty gritty spoiler stuff. Our topic today was inspired by my dear friend Tim, who has just started reading through this series for the first time. He's been sending me a flurry of text messages as he races through the books with his ideas and theories, and I have just loved it. But there was one in particular where I was just like, yes, that needs to be a topic for us. And the message was this, boy, them white cloaks, eh? Today, <laughs> today's 101 is dedicated to the children of the light, uh, converting to combat. Amber, I thought that was such a clever Yay! subtitle for this topic. <laughs> um, and Tim, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Uh, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And we're, we're awesome. really excited to have someone who is early on in the books, because I think for me and Tracy, that's really hard to put you know, your first read goggles mm. back on after you finish mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about where you're at and what your first impressions of the Children of the Light were? Um, well, so I just finished, a couple of days ago, I just finished The Dragon Reborn. Um, I have been racing through these books. It's crazy how fast I've been getting through them. Um, I was shocked. I was shocked. I was you shocked. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were still finishing Eye of the World. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that text that I sent you, Tracy, kind of wraps it up for me. Like, they just seem rotten. Um, they, it, the the parallels between some, some historical groups uh, are crazy, and it's just. It's really mm -hmm. interesting how they're trying to, from what I understand thus far, they, they're they trying to uphold what they think is right. And basically, if you don't agree lockstep with them, then you are a dark mm -hmm. friend. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about it. I remember when mm -hmm. I first started, it was... When they're introduced, I'm like, what the hell is their problem? Like, what's your deal? Yeah. Chill. They have yeah, no I chill. I would definitely be a dark friend. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Tracy, did you want to start us off with our kind of, uh, we're just kind like of summing up here. Yeah. Sure. So a lot of this, I think we probably just pulled from the Wiki Wheel of Time page, as we usually do. But they are a self-appointed and independent military organization who have made it their responsibility to root out dark friends, evil, and corruption. And these ideas are defined by the White Cloaks themselves. 
the wiki wheel of time page says their zeal in this endeavor borders borders on the insane and makes them dangerous opponents they see their cause as the only true and pure cause in the westlands so that's like the start of it basically what tim just said yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> I, yeah hopefully not too redundant i, I feel like fanatical zealot is is probably mm-hmm. a good descriptor oh yeah mm-hmm. definitely definitely yep there's there's behavior that definitely qualifies that um ideal ideal ideology maybe yeah fanatic zealot like i yeah. feel like that comes across frequently with mm-hmm. them and for that they are not an exceptionally popular group among the people of the westlands in fact most people appear to be mistrustful of their actions and they are frequently referred to as white cloaks uh, because of their bright white cloaks that they wear as part of their uniform children of the light would more than likely be insulted to be called a white cloak to his face. And I think along with... <laughs> I'm just laughing You're because laughing. throughout the document, I'm like, I'm just going to call them white cloaks. <laughs> I know, me too. And then part of me was like, wait, is that disrespectful to them? And then I was like, doesn't matter. I hate them. So white cloaks mm-hmm. it is. They're mm-hmm. awful. Don't like them. So yeah, I did, I did the same thing. And then I think you found like this information on their founder too, right? Yeah, so um, this guy, Lothair, I don't know how you want to say it. I say Lothair because uh, I'll explain later on, but Mantelar, <laughs> he was, you know, he wasn't really the super evil villain type character, especially when you compare him with other characters that we read mm-hmm. later, you know, throughout the series. And mm-hmm. his story starts out during the 100 Years War, and that was when all of the drama was going down with Arthur Hawkwing and a lot of border disputes and civil wars. And this guy, Lothair, basically kind of is just like, this isn't right. And he goes ahead and he decides he's going to write this book called The Way of the Light, stressing this importance of a simple living. And it kind of reminded me of Grendel, you know, before she Mm. turns to the shadow, someone who is like, everything must be simple and, you know, stuff like that. And his books get really popular because people are living in this really shit time in history mm-hmm. and they're kind of like gravitating towards something new. And mm-hmm. because of all these wars and battles, Lothar's followers had learned like they they need to protect themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, they start carrying swords and training and kicking ass to any dark <laughs> friends that they can find. So even though... Um. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just so what that actually made me think about this part right here, especially since this is like during or like it's close to the breaking, right? That this book is written. Is that accurate or is it shortly after? Um, It was after because they're oh, whole... during the Hundred Years War. Mm-hmm. OK, OK, OK. OK. I got confused timeline. I was just thinking that like... Yeah, because the breaking had already happened and they're like, the breaking yes. happened because of all you channelers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking like if it was close to the time period of the breaking, people in the Age of Legends didn't really know how to fight each other because like war and stuff like that wasn't really a thing. They didn't... 
go in that direction to resolve disputes and stuff. And I was like, oh, that would totally make sense that they would need to learn how to like defend themselves in a world where they've never had to do that before. But well, they, I was in the wrong. Well, yeah, like I was in the wrong time location. Sorry. These people are just surrounded. This is a giant civil war. They're surrounded by fighting in every corner. So these yeah. followers of Lothar were like, well, we better learn how to carry a sword now because we've got this, <laughs> you know, wacky religion coming up and people might not always take kindly to it. And that was yeah. kind of, you know, the next part is because this book that he wrote, yeah, it was really popular, but it was also super controversial. So mm -hmm. he, he believed that touching Sidene or Sidar was sacrilegious and that mm -hmm. only the Dark One themselves should be able to hold this type of power. So mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, instead of just leaving it at that and being like, you're sinners, he took it a step further and was like, not only are you sinners, but you're Dark Friends. So, you know, he had this theory that all of this civil war was creating a power vacuum and then all of the dark friends were kind of coming in and using it to their advantage, which hmm. to me, it, it's not, it's not too, it's not a huge leap. I mean, mm -mm. because throughout, throughout the series, there are moments where you're like, hmm, okay, so he he's not. There are dark friends everywhere. Yeah, like yeah. that that feels like. <laughs> there really are. Well, that's well. This is just yeah. More, you're. This is just even in the very early. beginning of Eye of the yep. World. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's, it's like, the thing that everyone's afraid of. So yeah, and with reason. Mm -hmm. With reason. Yeah. yeah. But um, a lot of readers think that his character was influenced by Martin Luther. And that's why mm. I keep saying Luther mm. because Martin mm -hmm. Luther. <laughs> but <laughs> the priest who started this Protestant Reformation. And so the name mm -hmm. is very similar. You've got like the L and the M switched. And mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, there's this big similarity with the whole like book printing thing. So yeah, people yeah. at the time of the Reformation were annoyed because the church was taking payments like in return for wiping people's sins away. So mm -hmm. if you are some big rich asshole, you could be like, I've done all the sinning and I can do whatever I want and then just head down to the church and pay your sins away. Mm -hmm. Which the yeah. common people, you know, they're like, is that really fair? It's like, gross. I don't think so. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> so Martin Luther was like, hey, people, that's classist. The Bible says this. And then he goes along and starts printing tons and tons of Bibles but in a language that the common people could actually understand. Because at the time, another classist thing is they were only printed in Latin. So Latin. if you weren't educated, you couldn't read the Bible along with everyone mm -hmm. else. So there are these similarities. And then it's just, it's just kind of the same with uh, Lothar and his Way of the Light book that he mm -hmm. wrote. So, yeah, it's... I can definitely see where that might be an influence. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed that uh, that parallel that you found. I thought that was really illuminating. Thanks. And it's, I mean, this is another thing too. Like I didn't come up with this on my own because like right there in the wiki, it's like some people believe that this character was influenced by Martin Luther. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. 
But (laughs) I'm also like living in an area in Germany where like a lot of shit went down because of the Reformation. Like I'm living where pretty much the peasant war started. (laughs) So like I think this is a cool little bit of history. It is cool. I like that we pull in history as often as we do, considering how I feel about it. And really just also how Robert Jordan felt about it. Like he was a history enthusiast and you can see it in his writing. Oh, and it's yes. really varied and you can absolutely tell where some of his favorite areas of history are, but it's still just it's varied. It's kind of all over the place and I appreciate it tremendously. I'm also I'm also really curious. I'm gonna have to look into this for later, but Oh, I can't say it. It's a spoiler. We'll wait till later. <laughs> Damn it, Tim. No, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, have to, we have to hold ourselves back all the time anyway, yeah. so it's it's absolutely not you. Like, it's I'm all glad good. you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, so the way of the light then and now, I think, is the next yeah. direction mm-hmm. that we want to go. I, I like that we start out with the setting as being the Fortress of the Light because mm-hmm. it is such an iconic building for the children and as their seat of power. It really puts them in this like royalty-like situation where like we are the leaders of this nation. Yeah. Don't even, mess with us. Even if there's actually a king of Amador, the children of the light are the true power in Amador and in Amadicia in particular where uh, the Fortress of the Light is located. And they're okay, also... I have a question for both of you about yeah. this. And this is just a theory question, but how do you think the children of the light fund themselves? Do you think they just mm. like tax people in Amador or what? Well, that's what a do... really good question. I mean, I feel like that kind of ties into a topic that we were going to be getting into a little bit later where, you know, that anybody they see as dark friends, mm-hmm. they're, ju- they're probably going to take those people into custody and they're going to put them to the questioners. And we're just going to assume, I mean, I'm where I'm at in the series. I assume they're probably not going to survive that process. And then they're just going to uh, appropriate whatever it was <laughs> okay. that those dark friends, mm-hmm. those supposed dark friends owned. Yeah. I would imagine I that, that that would be part of it because it's not, they don't really hold services. Like, I'm not really aware of there ever being like gatherings of people who worship the light together. I almost wonder too if it's like a mafia type situation where you <laughs> get like a group of them coming into one city. You pay and for, being like, for our we're, protection. We're going to rid all of your dark friends in your city. So yeah. feed us. You know, mm-hmm. give us things, mm-hmm. huh? Even if it's not money, maybe. But and I mean, you know, like or like for protection, like from the mob, like showing up at different businesses, like you need protection. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no, kick in their you window. You need do now protection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, sorry, I didn't mean to. Jump no, in there, I think but... it's a really, I think it's a really good question because most military. I shouldn't say military. Most religious organizations have used things like tithing and mm-hmm. donations yeah. and like what you were talking about where indulgences, I believe, is what they were that were sold yes. by the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Yep. History mm-hmm. major. Okay, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, 
<laughs> and I happen to really dig medieval history and the Reformation in particular because it is a fascinating snowball effect, in my opinion, from like the Reformation to the point that we live in now. And it's just an incredible time to sink into. We were talking about the children of the light, and then I started talking about something else. What was I talking about? Their fortress, the fortress of the light. That damn fortress. That damn fortress. But it is cool. It's just unfortunate that like they are the true powers in Amador, because then it kind of takes Amador off. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Amadicia. It takes Amadicia off the playing field in a lot of ways, because... Like, most rulers have kind of the same opinion of the White Cloaks as everyone else does, and they don't really want to do anything to invite them into their borders unless they have to. So it's, I don't know, that's... They're definitely not greeted with, you know, bouquets of flowers, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Come hang out with us. We love you. It'll be fun. No, it's never like that. Okay. And then the next section we have is rank, Mm -hmm. which is really important as in any military organization that you have a solid system of hierarchy and rank with the children there is a lot of different like settings Mm -hmm. so we didn't cover all of them but we're just kind of like giving you the main beats here yeah 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 so at the beginning of this series the lord captain commander of the children was pedro neil and he was widely respected as one of the five great generals of the time. Is that right for Pedro? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. He's one of those characters I would have loved to get more chapters from. Yeah. Just because I I really, Tim, I don't know how many, I think you you might not have really come to, come to any points where you get any of the five great leaders yet. But man, all of these guys are just badasses. Wow. Yeah. Have you come across Very this cool. character yet? Um, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I actually don't recall the name. There, there was mm-hmm. one. There was one uh, character in the Children of the Light that I did have begrudging respect for. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to talk about it because I'm not sure if it spoils <laughs> anything. Oh, um, okay, that's yeah. fair. But only only because his subordinate was just. For lack of a better word, he was a douchebag, and <laughs> and and the guy who was in charge of of the encampment that is what I've run across was basically like, uh, you know what, man, you can't go doing that to everybody all the time. <laughs> yeah, not you are not the hammer. Everyone else isn't always a nail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to know but, who it is. But anyway. I can't remember. Yeah, we can sure. talk. That's cool. Maybe after the break. Yeah. After yeah, the break, yeah. we can bring it back up. Yeah. But yeah, so anyways, the Lord Captain Commander has a cool ring to it. Like, you're not a lord. You're not a captain. You're not a commander. You are all three <laughs> And That's true. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like a cushy job. Like, you just sit back in the fortress and dictate, like, you go here, you do this, and mm-hmm. you do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Not a not a not a terrible job. <laughs> I I what? want you to Did you write this or did I? They could have really benefited from a little rebranding. Why not the stronghold <laughs> of sunshine? I'm so sick of typing the word light. 
anyways, he gets yes. to chill in the fortress and dictate to the rest of the garrisons where to go and what to do. <laughs> yeah, everything is children of the light, the way of the light, like the light, the light, the light. Like, come on, guys, could you really like just try a little bit? Like, it's a little bit one track here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the fortress of the light will forever be the stronghold of sunshine in my mind. <laughs> if I ever like, name my mind palace, it will be the stronghold right? of sunshine. And, I love yeah, it. And, and when you're that hated, like, why not make it, like, we have a sunny Appealing. disposition. Like, yeah. try it. Try. <laughs> so much more inviting. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next person after, and I kind of have a question mark after this because I would say technically the Lord Captain Commander is the dude when it comes to the Children mm-hmm. of the Light. But the head inquisitor of the Hand of the Light. Oh, look, more light. Yeah. <laughs> the Hand of Sunshine. Um, yeah. Pockets full of sunshine. <laughs> for you and you and you. <laughs> you get some sunshine. You get some sunshine. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> the head inquisitor light, light, of light. the Hand of the Light. Asunua. Do you remember Asunua's first name? Because I don't. Um, He's I think the current. I, it's like it starts with an R, I think, but yeah. it's not he's, super important. He's a terrible human being, regardless Awful. of what his name is. But I would say that Asunua himself, although he holds the position of head inquisitor, feels he is every bit the Lord Captain Commander's equal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it was with every, like every mm-hmm. head inquisitor felt that way. I think this might have just been with Asanawa. Like he mm-hmm. was just really, really full of himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to put it bluntly for Asunua and the Hand of the Light, this is the torture department. Everybody yeah. is clamoring for this position. Gross. God, I hope not. Uh, so. <laughs> I know we're going to get into historical stuff later on, but one of the things that I like to do to prep myself for an episode is to watch documentaries if I can find them on the historical section that we are potentially going to talk about. And I will really need to share something with you that was done during the uh, Spanish Inquisition that's super fun and had Aiden making fake vomit sounds last night as we were (laughs) watching it together. So... uh, Asunua is a torturer. All of the dudes that are part of the Hand of the Light, you do not want to get on their bad side. Like, yeah. And it, the thing is, too, they're they're kind of like we're confess to being a dark friend, or we'll torture you. So even if you aren't a dark friend, you're just getting tortured, and eventually you're gonna break. Yeah. Right. So they're like, we are super effective. We are great at our jobs. <laughs> Pat on the back. Like awful. How was your torturing session today? Right. <laughs> How's your day torturing today, sweetheart? So the evo- the evolution of the order, the converting to combat. Uh, Amber, I think you wrote this out. and Yeah, so it's basically just the question of how and why did the children of the light change so much through the ages from the time they start to where they end up, where we see them now in the series. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they started off basically defending themselves from the shadow, which, you know, that's a noble cause, right? Mm -hmm. And someone, you know, someone needs to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like how we have talked about the Red Aja 
tasking themselves and it's not a good job and they <laughs> but someone has they end to do up, it right right so we've talked about like okay there's these people can be awful but at the same time some of the things that they needed to do was necessary and at mm-hmm. this time there might not have been a better way to do it yeah so who's to say you know and so despite, you know, the children of the light preaching the simple way of living and the idea that a powerful temptation like channeling will corrupt your soul, the children actually become victim to power and corruption. So as their armies get larger and larger and the numbers of the Aes Sedai and the White Tower grow smaller, they become more and more ambitious. And then in some cases, they are trying to take over some nations mm-hmm. themselves and of course, with Pedro Nile, you know, like leading their armies, it, they're, they've got a good chance at what they're doing. And I mean, it's only until other nations start working together where they're like driving them back. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of power plays. Mm-hmm. And they really like, they really do not like Aes Sedai. No. Like, I think they're... <laughs> Yeah. Well, you had a like you at this point have had a really good encounter that we probably can't talk about because I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> past book one. But maybe we can talk about that later. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the relationship between like they call them the Tarvalon witches mm-hmm. all the time, which I think is kind of funny, and how that that derogatory term of witch. It carries over so easily from the world we already live in, you know? Oh, yeah. So you kind of already have an idea of what they're thinking by referring them to them as witches, even though these women can literally do magic. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I find that comparison interesting because it's it's such an easy one to make. And mm-hmm. yeah. What about you, Tim? Anything? I mean, it's, as far as like what we've been talking about, it's. Mm-hmm. It was a group that found some success. Again, you guys are clearly well past where I'm at in the series, but <laughs> where I'm where I'm able to make connections, you know, they they had to have a start somewhere, and that start allowed them to gain enough power. And anytime you have an organization that gets a little bit of power, mm-hmm. uh, power begets more power, mm-hmm. and when the organization lasts long enough it starts to morph into uh we're just going to do whatever we can to get more power and more mm-hmm. power um and eventually it's about the po- it's not about what the organization started for mm-hmm. it's a, it's mm-hmm. just about getting more influence and more power and control mm-hmm. yeah and it's Ag- it's agreed it's really easy to uh make that comparison to like especially you know the catholic church and and mm-hmm. witch witch hunts mm-hmm. um and they're able i i it seems like they're able to just blind themselves to the fact that you know i said i are just bad period uh, right because we say so right exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's i feel i feel really strongly with what you're saying, Tim, this is, we've, okay, so without getting into spoilers, we've seen them act certain ways towards all people that they believe to be dark friends, Mm -hmm. but it 
also seems like their focus on women is much more like it's not just like okay you're a dart friend it's like pure disgust and like Mm -hmm. vitriol Mm -hmm. and it's almost I feel more of like a power thing so yeah these these young tiny little women have fewer numbers but are much more powerful Mm -hmm. and it's kind of just like it's not so much that they really think that everyone is a dart friend because we'll get into it later. There are some characters, specifically um, Asanawa. He flat out says he doesn't think that Aes Sedai are dart friends. He just simply hates them. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. because of their power. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he flat out says it. And it's just like, okay, well, you've turned being a fuckboy into a religion now. <laughs> and they are pissed that the tower holds the influence that it does. Absolutely. And as I'm saying this, I can definitely understand where someone would be looking at the tower and thinking, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have so much power. Maybe some of the things that you are doing is wrong. But we're not going to, like, go out and torture people over it. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. <laughs> crazy. You know, just from where I'm at early in the series, I haven't been able to see what you're describing um Mm. it it almost from where i'm looking like pretty much all all gods chillin kind of don't like male casters or or male right uh, power channelers channelers. Mm -hmm. yeah um true true and so like everybody hates them Mm -hmm. um and the only people who exist in any number at all who are channelers are women but I would be willing to buy that there are going to be especially dudes who exist in position of power who see female channelers as just being not good and it mm-hmm. col- and and it definitely negatively colors their uh their their thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really strained relationship. And there are so many different little factions of, you know, Mm -hmm. even just within the White Tower. Mm -hmm. So you've got all of these different Ajas. And I don't know, they don't really go super into it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of confusing. But each Aja is responsible for a different thing. Some of them are just like, whoa, like bad news Mm -hmm. and then some of them you're just kind of like okay well like you obviously are completely dedicated to helping people and Mm -hmm. healing people so they're there that's what makes this series so cool is because every time there's you know an objectionable character or group there's another one that comes along where you're like okay I don't know I don't know who's worse this person Mm -hmm. or this person this group that group it gets twisted, and mm-hmm. that's what makes things really fun. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, the, the level of humanity that's involved is something that I've always really appreciated because it's not just like, and we've mentioned this theme more than once, I'm sure, but it's not just that men are evil because blah, blah, blah. It's anyone is evil anyone has the capacity for evil it's not solely 
a male driven trait. It's men mm-hmm. and women. And really, even regardless of whether or not they are dark friends or not, they still have that capacity to be evil. And yeah. so I, and that's yeah. That's what that's a really cool point, Tracy, because what I find interesting is for example, we've talked about certain characters where they are pure <laughs> evil and crazy and awful, but not a dark friend. Mm-hmm. So you have some people you're like, okay, yeah, they're obviously, they're working for the dark mm-hmm. dark one over here. And then you have some people you're like, all right, well, you're just a jerk. So <laughs> that's your problem. <laughs> I, I really, I thoroughly appreciate how how gray everything is uh, not mm-hmm. everything but a lot of the things in the series mm-hmm. are gray and you know trying not to spoil anything again but there was a character who turns out to be a dark friend but then he's like oh uh no i'm gonna i'm gonna go back on that i take it back and i'm gonna do what i have to do to change that and i was like wow Ooh. that's cool I know who you're talking about. I know what moment you're talking about. Uh Okay, sorry. (laughs) What's interesting, too, is that really goes along with the Children of the Light because Mm -hmm. I think one of their, not I don't want to say motto, but one of their ways of thinking is like anyone has the capacity to turn back from the shadow. Mm -hmm. So, but do they ever really give anyone an opportunity to do that? (laughs) No, not that I know of. You know, like everyone deserves a second chance. Just kidding. Hang them all. Yeah. <laughs> that does not seem fair, but okay. Well, mm-hmm. it's, you know, in, in the historical aspect uh, during witch hunts, if you're accused of being a witch, well, reach into this pot of boiling oil and pick up the rock <laughs> in the bottom. And if you're, you know, if you die, well, you were probably cool. And if you don't die, we're going to kill you. So right. Yeah. Those are your right. options. Let's toss you lose situation. Let's toss you in the river and see what happens. Right. <laughs> if you drown, you're innocent. If you float, you are obviously a witch. By uh-huh. the way, you will be wearing wool, which absorbs water at three uh-huh. times the amount of any other fabric on the planet, which means Hope it you weighs can swim. a ton. Really good. Right? Yeah. yeah. Here you go. Uh. Have fun. So that gives so, us yeah. a good history tra- segue transition. Yeah, violent cults, fanatics, faith-driven <laughs> communities. It's just, we've got it all here today. <laughs> but no, what Tim and Tracy have both pointed out multiple times so far is, yeah, we've got real-world like religious military orders that mm-hmm. has happened throughout our time. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that Robert Jordan was very much interested in this type of thing. Mm-hmm. So once again, he's, you know, always flexing that knowledge on us. So um, <laughs> Tracy just did I, like that. I have to. Anytime you like write guns. flex. Yeah. Anytime you write or say flex, like that's all I can think to do is like the one arm <laughs> strong. Rosie Riveter pose. Okay, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So again, this is not something that I just came up with on my own. It is put right there on the wiki online that the the Knights Templars are a big influence on the creation of the Children of the Light. And I would 100% definitely agree i don't so i don't know how you could miss it unless you don't know who the knights templar are and mm-hmm. 
being me, and, like even as a as a teenager when I read it, I was like, oh, I know exactly who this is kind of like taken from. Like, Tim, yeah. I would assume you made the same like instant. Uh, well, did if, you? If I'm honest, I didn't think it instantly. I had to really. Like, I had to really think about the white cloaks. And as soon as they get the description of them, then you're yeah. like, oh, okay, the yeah. outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, that, t- to be honest, that was not a thought that crossed my mind until mm. I heard, until we kind of had the, the document. And I was like, oh, God, how did I miss that? <laughs> it was much more like the thing that leapt out to me was the Inquisition. Mm, that's um, right. Mm-hmm. That was what really I made the the historical connection to almost right away. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like it's like a fusing. It of really these is two things. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. I, it's kind of weird how there's not a parallel to the Catholic Church that I have seen thus far in the series, mm-hmm. but there but there are these two huge, terrible subgroups of Catholicism. Mm-hmm that are making you know enormous parallels in the series absolutely Uh, Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool in that way yeah yeah agreed yeah but so yeah and i mean i would even take it a step further and say you know the knights templar or the teutonic order Mm -hmm. just it's it it's like glaring because of the outfits Mm -hmm. so the first thing for me is the whole um the white robe, mm-hmm. and then with the Knights Templar or the Teutonic Order, you had a cross over the heart. Mm-hmm. And instead, the Children of the Light have a, you know, their sunburst. The sunburst, yeah. To, like, dedicate, like, their, you know, we are dedicated to the light, 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 light. But, yeah. <laughs> Big rays so, of sunshine. Mm-hmm. Sunshine. And, too, I would say another thing that kind of sticks out is with this combination of religious and military way of life, there's a big army setting out to rid the world of these pesky heretics. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're putting your flag on more and more locations on the map. Mm-hmm. And this is very similar to what the White Cloaks do mm-hmm. it, or try. <laughs> it actually yeah. kind of makes me feel bad that I didn't make that connection right away. <laughs> like, well, like I don't independently. No, it's okay. Well, I think. I think too, though, we within the series we don't get a lot of. Um, there's not a ton of moments where it's the white cloaks being like, "We're gonna take over this place. We're gonna take mm. over that place." Like they allude to it, and until you're really like digging for this knowledge, mm-hmm. it's not something that's super easy to find. Mm-hmm. And I don't retain everything that I read on the <laughs> God, first fuck time. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> Why do you think I'm such an avid note taker? I forget everything. Like if I don't write it down, it is gone. Have to write it down. Do, do yeah. you take yeah. notes while you read this series, Tracy? I do. I do now. Awesome. I don't normally like for me normally when I read fiction, it's my break time from taking notes all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it's nonfiction. Like my nonfiction books are generally the ones that have like notes in the margins and probably like a corresponding Google Doc that goes along with it. Totally. But but now I do the that news- with Wheel of Time yeah. stuff too, and it's really fun. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, I do write notes in my books now. That's awesome. I'm sure there are people who read b- books that hate people like me who like dog ear <laughs> books and write in them. Like there are people I- out there going. <gasps> If I'm going to be honest, I 
<laughs> used to be one of those people. I think I'm Me okay too. with it now. Me too. But like, if I came across notes in the margin, I'd be like, oh, why didn't you just use a p- different piece of paper or something? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And now, now is like someone who's gone through like several semesters and like heavy duty research land. I just don't know how you could do it without putting notes in the margins of something. You know what is so cool? My new phone that I got, you can take a picture and it'll scan words so i can literally if i'm going through a book like take a picture scan it and then like plop it on a document if i want to and i'm like yay google pixel that's cool that's that's cool i'm gonna have to see if i can find something that like does that on my iphone but there's an app i'm sure there is that's fantastic that would make my life so much easier so yeah back to the back to the The religious orders yeah for me like I was a really unusual teenager, so I'm sure, like, the reason why the Knights Templar stood out to me is that I was probably reading something about it or had just seen something in my favorite teen girl magazine, National Geographic. (laughs) 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 My friends had, like, their favorite new kids on the block, like, posters hanging up on the walls, and I had the maps like all over my walls from the net. You know how National Geographic comes, they have those giant mm-hmm. fold-out maps. My walls were covered in those, and I was like, that's that's me. Uh, so yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why like it hit me really quickly. And I still have like a super fascination with military Christian organizations, especially the Templars and their roles in the crusade and in banking throughout that section of the world for a while like they were just they were an incredible influence for two centuries i think um Mm -hmm. man the the like the one of the head chapters for the teutonic order is the next village over really and if you want to see like a gorgeous building where you're like yep they had money (laughs) like look no further i'd buy that for crazy Ooh, yeah yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for me, like when I was thinking about uh, the Knights Templar and what like comes off of their outfit for me, it's the conical style helmets. Like mm-hmm. that was just like, hmm, like that's to me that finishes those, the ensemble. <laughs> yeah, those are iconic. They, they are. are so big and weird looking. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> And I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it look like if somebody hit you on the top of it would push down yeah, onto your? I mean, maybe yeah. that's like your airbag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. And yeah. to think, though, if someone like hit that and it caved in, like that would just smash your brain, right? Yeah. So we're talking about King Henry the other week, and the same thing. Like, yep, your head smashed now. Yeah, yeah. Good so luck with that. That was one of the things that uh, stood out to me about them. And then, like I said, I prepare for everything with documentaries. Everything, all the documentaries, all the time. And I'll include the links to the ones that I watched in case there are history nerds out there like me who want extra information on the Knights Templar or may not be aware of who they are, and you just want like something that's like dramatically done and uh, mostly historically accurate as far as I can tell. Uh, I'm not a specialist in the field. Anyway, there was there was one thing that one of the presenters in the show that I watched said, and he said, they hid behind their own myth for much of their career. And I was like, oh, that sounds just like the White Cloaks. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great line. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. And it felt it felt so accurate both for like the Knights Templar, but also for the White Cloaks, because when we were talking about the idea of power, one of the things that came to mind was how in the Westlands, Aes Sedai are they're mixed feelings about Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, people are really leery of mm-hmm. their presence, but they can't refute it because everybody mm-hmm. agrees and the white tower has this the power you don't want to the make standing. them an enemy you don't want to make them an enemy so they will absolutely be welcome at pretty much anything a monarch is doing whereas with the Kings white and queens cloaks, will bend to yep, the white tower yeah but with white cloaks they have to kind of like push for their presentation so i can see where that would create a lot of resentment especially over time where you want power you've had that taste of power and these women because you don't really represent a country you're just mm-hmm. some highly militarized religious fanatic group you know yeah so it's i just i find that idea of power and the power dynamic and really how that played out for the knights templar too i just thought it was really I thought that was interesting. Yep. I I agree. Thanks. I'm brilliant. Um <laughs> you really are. Aw, Tim. Modest. <laughs> Modest. That's high on the list <laughs> for me as well. That's not true. <laughs> it's not. It's funny because like people who really know me know that about me. Like they're like if I'm bad at something, I'm the first person to be like, I am bad at that real bad <laughs> but if i'm good at something and i feel solid and i'm like yep good at that thing <laughs> that's my thing everyone that's should thing. be everyone should have a little bit of confidence exactly i i would hope you know people deserve it exactly it. if you're if you're good at something shout Own it, it. Out. Yep. love it make it a part of your everyday life yep life advice on the road to tarvalon <laughs> yeah so now let's talk about torture. Yeah. <laughs> torture. So I have to laugh because, again, documentaries. And I love watching documentaries with Aiden. Like, both of you guys know Aiden, so you know what it's like to participate in things with Aiden. And one of the things that they were talking about were torture methods used mm. during the Spanish Inquisition. And Oof. the narrator said something about how they would rub pig fat on the feet of the person being tortured and then apply heat so fire underneath until fry them until their bones fell off of their body so way past like just searing the outside of their flesh but just keeping it i mean not to be too graphic or anything but i'm totally gonna go there i (laughs) think <laughs> I think about like I'm, I can't even pay attention to what you're talking about right now because my he- my mind is like stuck with that mental image. Right, it's so awful. So Aiden's yeah. I should get Aiden to record his um we have this joke in our family. This is so gross. <laughs> I am um I am not quiet when I have to vomit. It is a loud <laughs> event, and everyone... Are we going back to the Black Tower episode again? <laughs> I mean, that, thankfully, was not terrible. But, like, so Aiden shares this with me, and we both have this ability to kind of make that, like, crazy, awful, dry-heaving wretch sound when something, like, 
deserves it. And so Aiden's sitting over there like, like just and I'm <laughs> like stop the, doing at that. At the bone burning. Yeah, at like the, the idea burning? of the bones just falling off oh of because that's through skin, that's we, through cartilage, that's through your flesh. Like how awful is that? What the white cloaks preferred method of torture was? I think I read something about flaying, like peeling oh, the skin off. God, oh. no. I just I feel as though there's always this insinuation of torture like we don't really get too nitty-gritty into what people are doing when they are being tortured i mean there is one point oh i can't talk about it though it's bad oh i look forward to that (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's short though it's not they don't go too much into detail but they let you know what happened yeah so the hand of the light is bad news like and i feel as though you had been struck by the Spanish Inquisition, right, Tim? Like, the connection oh, between yes. that and the Hand of the Light. Was there anything in particular for you that, like, pulled you into thinking about that? Um, it was really... It, I've only dealt with, in where I've read thus far, with the military organization. Mm. But they lean so heavily on, well, you don't want to go talk to the questioners <laughs> now, do ya? Do and it's right? like, oh, yeah. oh, that's what that means. That means torture. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm also, like, not as in-depth as you, perhaps, uh, but a definite history, uh, psychotic history nerd. I love um, that about you. And I've I've become familiar with a lot of the terrible things that people have done to each other. And yeah. And I appreciate how just the Ill- illusion to mm-hmm. these people whose job is literally to just torture you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God. Like an entire force dedicated to nothing but that. And yep. it is mm-hmm. it is b- very Spanish Inquisition because like that happened. And those two things, the Spanish Inquisition and the Knights Templar, they happen roughly two centuries apart from each other mm-hmm. as well. So like the Knights Templar disbanded in the early 14th century and the yeah, Spanish after, Inqu- after the Crusades, like mm-hmm. they're like, what do we do? We're just standing around like, yeah. And <laughs> okay. I feel like there was some sort of like this weird, like round up execution of the Templars. Like they were accused of heresy. Yeah. Is yeah. that right? I yeah. Yeah, so like stranger like stranger than fiction they have this incredible downfall and suddenly this really powerful organization just doesn't even exist anymore other than as a note in history. But yeah. like the Spanish Inquisition comes later and the world is in a different place because it's in response to heretical thought. So he takes the idea mm-hmm. of the super religious uh, military group and marries it to the fanatical torturing group and just puts them together mm-hmm. and it's like oh fuck that's gonna be bad yeah. Like, yeah that's all they do that's their whole responsibility is to mm-hmm. find and enforce what the children of the light think is the right path for everyone and it's terrifying because they make that definition they yep. decide mm-hmm I no, I think you you guys nail it here with the comparison. And I mean, for me, I 
I am not 100%. I don't remember what I learned about the Spanish Inquisition in school. The only thing I do remember <laughs> about it was their obsession with witches. Like, you're a witch. Mm-hmm. You're a witch. You're probably a witch. Mm-hmm. And this is the White Cloaks. They're like these Tarvalin witches. And it's like, okay. Like, yeah, there it is. The slur <laughs> remains the same. Like, mm-hmm. and, the, and the fear remains the same. The fear of a power that they don't understand. Because like, while the witch hunt witch hunts heresy trials mostly rounded up women for witches there were men who were rounded up in that as well and i think it's i think that gets glossed over a lot we automatically assume that it was just a bunch of women sometimes it was just a bunch of everyone you know Mm -hmm. like especially in certain areas it was just really bad and the same thing like in amadicia or amador the city itself that's going to be the biggest stronghold. That's where everybody's going to behave a certain way. But anywhere outside of there where the children of the light don't have oversight, they kind of have to like walk lightly a little bit. And mm-hmm. I mean, we see that kind of You don't conflict. want to piss off the white tower. You don't want to mm-hmm. piss off the white cloaks. So you don't want to piss how off do the you ruler navigate? of Andor, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I feel like it's this one is about power and fanaticism and pretty funny how the white cloaks were started in response to civil wars while in the books now just their existence has potential to create create civil war yeah good point good point i think that's all we had for our notes but tim i wanted to ask you do you have do you have anything like as a first-time reader that you would want to know about the white cloaks or kind of wish you had known about the white cloaks? I'm always curious. That's a really great question, but I I have a kind of a piss poor answer for you. That's Um, okay. (laughs) To to be perfectly honest, I don't. Um, It's, I I get just really terrible vibes from them. I, Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess, I do find it really interesting to to learn some of the um, origins of them. Um, mm-hmm. That's it. It'd be nice if that showed up. If, if it was talked about a little earlier, where it wasn't always just a super nasty, terrible mm-hmm. organization. Okay. But Ooh. Yeah. Just because I I like the grayness. I like the fact mm-hmm. that you know nothing in life is completely black and white Um, yeah because i sure i'm sure there are people within the children of the light that aren't bad people oh absolutely they just got swept up and maybe that was like their only option like well shit i can't my brother owns the farm and you know my dad's dead so i guess i'll join this group yep yeah you know they'll feed me yeah (laughs) which is another parallel to the knights templar which happened for i mean really in a lot of ways the Knights Templar, the Crusades, everything that like came out of it was a grab for land. I mean, as it so mm-hmm. often is, land and resources, that's what we want. So, And we, with the Crusades, it was like yep. these people that don't believe our religion, yep. like, we don't want them getting any closer to us, and this boundary has to be made. Enforced. Maybe we want a little bit more land for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So. That That is kind of a fascinating thing about – it's almost like you could look at the Knights Templar, especially – during the crusades as being the equivalent of like viking pirates where mm. <laughs> part part of what they're doing is going out and getting more resources for themselves mm-hmm. yeah um and that it would be, 
I look forward to trying to piece together that history and, and see if I can figure out like how it is that they became powerful enough to start getting at least they got some land clearly, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of my thoughts, uh, on, on what I'd like to have seen earlier on, but you know, okay. I'll take it as it I comes. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Tracy has told you that there's a TV show coming out, right? Yeah. Okay. So is there anything from the show that mm. you think like needs to be made like a like a point, like something you would look forward to seeing? In the white cloaks in particular? Yeah. In the white cloaks, like mm. visually or storyline oh, wise. Mm. You know, I actually don't have anything specific to the white cloaks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I was kind of, I don't know if this actually pertains to this discussion, but uh, I was thinking about it on my drive here this morning. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want, I would want to think about it as Robert Jordan was a gleeman. <laughs> oh, that's such a good. And whoever, so good. I love that. Wh whoever produces this TV show is just a different gleeman telling the story in their own way. Like, does that That's make sense? Beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh my God, I love that so much. Because, like, I wouldn't expect, you know, I'd expect uh, Tom, um, God, what's Marilyn? his last name? Yeah. Marilyn. I mm -hmm. would expect Tom Marilyn to tell a story in a slightly different way. Tom than... gets all the love, all the love. Sorry, I mm -hmm. love Tom. It, Go ahead. He's he's one of my favorite characters so far. When you when you said that, I was like all heart eyed emoji <laughs> responsing to you. I've heard people say people say like, oh, like I could I could do without him, and I'm like, <gasps> what? what? No, no, <laughs> he's so mouth. good. He's so good. He's so good. Okay, Agreed. go ahead. I love that. <laughs> Does mm -hmm. that mean we're gleaming too? Do I need a harp? A harp we and a are. frying pan. We're all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We are all gleaming. Oh, I love Word. this idea. That's so okay. cool. So I think we will take our quick break. Tim. Tim. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great, and we're definitely gonna have to do this again. Hey. Now it's just the just the two of us. Just the two. Buttons. <laughs> Do, 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 do. Isn't that a... Oh, yeah, we can make it if we try. That's what comes yeah. next. I'm, like, grooving, grooving to it in my head, but the lyrics just weren't there. Okay, just so I have there. to, I have to, have to, have to, have to, have to say this. It kills me that the quote that we started <laughs> the show with is Bornhold to fucking Baron. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I have to go to the top because I want to read this out loud again. The children have authority wherever the light is, which, and where the light is not, we bring it. He, he, he read her to filth. It's like he knew. Yeah. But like, I, like, when I saw that quote and I saw who it was said to, I was like, oh, because I mean, that to me, that's still one of the moments in the series where you're like, Varen's a what? She's yeah. A She's a she's like the fairy godmother dark front. <laughs> like, <you laughs> that is so I mean? funny. <laughs> Bippity boppity dark friend. <laughs> Your dress is blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Uh, no. Okay, sorry. That just was like the moment I saw it, I was like, oh, 
Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So I even wrote out blah ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, that's no, that is definitely I mean, <laughs> ironic, maybe? I don't yeah. know. The greatest I, art friend of all time. Blah ha ha. Oh, it's like there's so much justice wrapped around Varen in that moment, you know, and like even mm-hmm. in a position like this where there's just I mean, how in the world could he know that she was a dark friend? So I'm fairly certain this isn't directed just at and- her. But to, I mean, could you imagine being Varen in that moment and feeling like <gasps> like he knows, like not just is he accusing me of being an ice, a dark I feel dark like she's because too, I'm an ice. I feel like I. she's too cool for that. Collected like for she, that. It, like, you don't think it would yeah, like-, like it would just I think it would like glide right off her back. Like I think she would almost like smile to it and kind of be like, hmm, OK, oh, OK. Because well. to me, I think I would be nervous underneath. I think Farron's got some craftiness to her. Oh, my God. She'd fucking have to. She's what dealt a- with some shit before. Dane doesn't scare her. We need to do a Varen <laughs> episode at some point because I just love her mm. and there's never enough time to talk about her. But now we need to like actually talk about White Cloaks again. The good old White Cloaks. Religious, military orders, and influence. Yeah. So, okay. Earlier we were talking about the Inquisition and mm-hmm. the Teutonic Order and the Knights Templar. Mm-hmm. So... What struck me is after the Crusades, many of these religious orders, you know, they weren't fighting, so they had to find something else to do. Yeah. And, you know, their title was basically honorific. Like, we're the Knights Templar. What does that mean? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they formed some of these organizations formed charitable, you know, they they had hospitals and they were setting things up for, you know, like poor people. Mm-hmm. So they were really trying to find like a niche and still kind of keep the name. Yeah. And even with the Teutonic Order, their their motto, I guess, was uh, Hilfen van Heilen, which is help, defend, heal. Oh, wow. So like... Where I'm going with this is there's just this really funny connection with healing and setting up Mm -hmm. hospitals. Mm -hmm. And this was so common for these organizations, for these military orders. So if you've got just a bit of this small background knowledge, it Mm -hmm. really, really, really looks like foreshadowing with the Bear Lane and Galad relationship. Mm -hmm. Because after the last battle... The leader of the White Cloaks, the Lord Captain Commander himself, aligns with Mayen and aligns with Berlane. And Berlane basically, you know, offers up her own like residences as a hospital during the mm-hmm. last battle. Yeah. So I'm just like, man, like it, it could be total coincidence, but seeing yeah. how much foreshadowing we have and like historical analogies in these books, I could see it being planned. I just don't know. Like, maybe it's in Robert Jordan's notes, or maybe it was just something that Brandon (laughs) Sanderson included at the end. We don't know, and we'll never find out unless someone finds (laughs) some notes somewhere. I do. I had not not thought about that, and I like that you put that together, because it wasn't something that I had put together at all. 
it's weird, right? Like it's I don't know. It feels right though, considering like his connection between like pulling in the Templars and the Spanish Inquisition that it would then evolve into something that was also reflected in these orders throughout history. So, I mean, right. And I mean, Galad himself has this desire to always stay on the right side of things. And so with him being in the position that he's in and to kind of even be almost in this, I don't want to say quandary about what is right and what is wrong any longer, Mm -hmm. but I think he could solidly say healing people who are wounded, who need a place to go is without doubt the right move to make, you know, like you can't really step wrong. If you're like, I'm going to make sure that those people get medical are safe and yeah. healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I really, I mean, I would love to dig into the Bear Lane and Galad relationship more, but I don't know if that so much has to do with the white cloaks. Maybe someday we'll kind of get into it a little bit more. Yeah. But I we do could think... Do- we could do a whole one on Galad and his weird relationships throughout the Wheel of Time because like, <laughs> right? I want to I talk about him and even Valda, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, definitely. But I think with Galad, like he is, he, his character brings up the question of will there be some redemption for the White Cloaks? Because mm-hmm. they do end up joining the last battle. They fight for the right side. Yep. And it's kind of just... Um, you know, it begs the question, like, what happens to the White Cloaks after they're done fighting? Just the right. same question, like, what happened to the, the like, Knights Templar, like, after the Crusades? Mm-hmm. So what do, what do they do when the fighting's over? Mm-hmm. But to, like, establish a place like that where healing can be... Because, I mean, at the root of everything, really, is a desire to help. Like, mm-hmm. the book that was written by the founder of... Lutar. Lutar, <laughs> yeah. Whatever his name was, Mantar. It's... <laughs> 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 it was Lut- Luter. Luther, yes. however you want to say it. Whatever. That guy who wrote the book that then, like, created this religious military or- order, he wrote it from a place of wanting to help people. He saw a very real need in the world around him. And it's, I mean, we see that throughout religions of the world where too often your adherence to the rules set within your religion lead to conflict with others, even though Mm -hmm. at some part of it is supposed to be this idea of, life being better for the people you interact with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Okay. And that's basically what they were founded on because he was like, these wars are ravaging the world and it's creating this, you know, niche for the, for dark friends to fill. And okay. I will definitely get into this later, but (laughs) this mirrors so many different things that we see. And yeah, it really does. It really does. On yeah. um, on the Discord, while we're speaking about mirroring <laughs> things. Yeah, this is fascinating to me. So Snakes and Foxes on our Discord <laughs> wrote, Thinking about the White Cloaks, one has to see the parallels with the Red Aja. 
While the red hunt specifically for male channelers, the white cloaks are a non-powered, like a non-channeling group, hunting for all channelers as they view it as evil, corrupt, dark. Think about how both the White Tower and the White Cloaks consider wolves and the humans who can communicate with them. Pedro Nile is a fast is fascinating in that he views channelers as a whole as evil, but it specifics, but in specifics is able to make exceptions. And then he has in parentheses more gays. Also, <laughs> Valda is a piece of poop emoji. Galad <laughs> is also interesting in the fact in, in that he goes through his journey of seeing the world in black and white to having grays. So exactly mm-hmm. what you had brought up, Tracy. And he brings the children to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So this, I mean, this really kind of goes into like what what kind of like redemption will they have? Mm-hmm. And with the, you know, the, the mirror of the Red Aja, like both of these groups were responsible for some like major depravity Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, we always go back to the vileness, mm-hmm. but this is just this like wide sweeping act of disgusting behavior. Mm-hmm. And then the white cloaks, like maybe they're just as bad. Like look mm-hmm. at how uh, Eamon Valda and, <laughs> oh, and Asuana, mm. they both had a hand in the torture and rape of more gays. And this is just one example in a long list of, messed up things that the white cloaks do yep and i mean just just another like quote from the wiki the philosophy of the children is a blend of retribution and redemption while they believe that no man is so lost that he can't be brought to the light the penalty for being a dark friend is death so like okay yeah yeah and then and then this this is what really gets me they also say the sins of the mother are visited to the fifth generation and the sins of the father to the tenth. So they're not just going to punish you for being a dark friend. They're going to, what, kill what your next your five line? generations? Yeah. And I mean, does like, that mean if like some? I mean, that's like wiping out a person's entire family and having permission to do it written straight into your laws. Well, that's- it's, I mean, it's like the Holocaust, really. It's like we've decided that you are beneath like living and we're just gonna kill you i mean this is this is one of the things because there are moments with the white cloaks where i'm like okay there is a necessary like you know someone has to be looking out for these dark friends and whatnot but the way they go around it is just all wrong all All wrong wrong. yeah (laughs) the idea of having a separate section that's dedicated just to uh, torture (laughs) to torture yeah yeah i mean medieval torture seems to be the way that robert jordan leans when i think about and i mean i don't know what kinds of advances happen in 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 torture like but medieval torture techniques were really brutal like like stretching your body till it breaks or putting yeah. you in an iron I think the iron maiden is kind of a myth I know they do exist but that's some seriously messed up stuff right and I mean even like the rack like to be stretched mm. like that like and that was almost one of the gentler f- gentler big time quotation marks of like things like I, I in fact I think some laws were like all torture is except with the exception of stretching on the rack because you know when you say the word stretching 
It sounds kind of pleasant, actually. It it's kind like, of oh, nice. we're going to do oh. some yoga. All right. Cool. Yeah. No, no. The Mm-mm. popping and stuff that happens is not the kind you want. They so, pull your arms. <laughs> they pull your arms out of their sockets and pull them off. Like <laughs> if you, in brutal. all honesty, if you want to, if you are one of those people, and I am, I fully admit it, that <laughs> really likes realistic portrayals of brutal moments in history. Mm-hmm. And I will admit, I. I still can't watch this scene fully. The tutors, when they're doing the trial of Anne Boleyn, they can't torture the nobleman, but they can torture the um, the bard, basically, like the singer that for like, them. Was, yeah. yeah, and so they were they were able to torture him, and the what they go through in the show is just awful but then when they bring him out to be executed his body like portrayed in the show his body is so broken that he can't walk on his own he's being carried he can't see because they've like done so much damage to his his face probably like and then they this still is, like, this is our darkest episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly. I think it's kind of sad how like I'm like, "Ooh, torture." And I'm all like, well, but no, I mean, really, like it's I mean, just, it's, it's I feel like people are drawn. Yeah, people yeah. are drawn to the weird and scary and, you know, it's I I've been to a torture museum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Of course you have. <laughs> Some of these, when you were talking about the conical helmets, they used to make these giant metal like idiot helmets and publicly shame you. So they would put you in these helmets where you had to mm-hmm. like hang around and you can't see. It's just like covering your whole head. And I think I it's similar to if you've ever watched Raised by Wolves. Um, I think it's an HBO or Showtime episode, but. One of this one of the men is a rapist and as his punishment, he has this like metal like face helmet shield thing on that covers his entire head like he can't see or anything where he's going and he just has to wear that now forever, I guess. Like okay. Weird. It's really weird. But this is I don't know. Torture is bad. Torture is bad. Really bad. And the white cloaks have an entire division of elite trained torturers yeah which just i mean i just can't see how your system can't become correct if you have something like that in place you know like right so just to point out the white cloaks maybe their intention starting out was good however what we see in the series they kind of suck ass yeah agreed yeah and i know um so back to like a sense of purpose and redemption, like what could possibly go on after the last battle, you know, maybe they do set up hospitals, maybe mm-hmm. they do become something good with Galad, you know, guiding them towards a better, you know, path. And yeah. that reminds me of our fourth age episode with Cheyenne, mm-hmm. where um, the Weaves of the Wheel community, they theorize in the fourth age that they will also like set up hospitals and stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And who knows, like what would that mean for the, you know, relationship with Mayan mm-hmm. in the future? Maybe mm-hmm. they become stronger and mm-hmm. more, I don't know, able to defend themselves, I guess, if 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully the dragon's piece less. Who knows? Which is definitely like a fingers crossed kind of thing, considering like the resistance mm-hmm. it meets. Because, yeah, I just got to the part uh, in book 14 where uh, the dragon's piece has been handed out and everybody's laid like, out. Blah, blah, blah. And then Moraine walks in and everyone's like, oh, <laughs> gulp. <laughs> Yeah, Mm. but I mean, the fact that the children are there, the fact that they are being led by Galad, who is willing to have this working relationship with the Aes Sedai, kind of breaks apart one of the really big core things that Mm -hmm. the children kind of stand for. So redefining them, repurposing them, rebranding them. Um, yeah, rebranding. <laughs> Little rebranding. The, what is it? The stronghold of sunshine welcomes you, brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. They become oh. culty instead of murdering. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they all start wearing sandals. Like <laughs> Birkenstocks for everyone. <laughs> you get some Birkenstocks. You get some Birkenstocks. Berkies for everyone. Oh, oh my God, that's such a funny idea, but I can see it happening. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you up. because you're you're much more familiar with this part in the series because you've mm-hmm. read it more like recently than I have. Yeah, but the conversation that Morgaze has with Galad mm-hmm. before Perrin's trial mm-hmm. is really, I feel like, a turning point. For Galad and the Children of the Light. She really... Like, there's regret in Morghese as she's having this conversation with Galad. She sees where she allowed his black and white way of thinking to stay as it was. Like, she hesitated Mm -hmm. to smudge the lines for him, and she regrets the fact that she didn't do that. And so she kind of pushes him towards seeing what he's missing. Because, I mean, at that point already, Galad is like, well, I mean, is the light really protecting us? Are we really the strong arm of what's right in this world? Are we fighting for the right things? And so Mm -hmm. he's already been kind of questioning this as, like, things have progressed for them but Morghese really kind of is like you and too and too Galad has all of this pressure on him from child buyer and That's true yep Dane and Bornhold yeah mm-hmm. so he's he's being pulled in so many directions yep and I mean is it buyer which one is the one that's like practically rabid about buyer. yeah buyer so I mean with that kind of, and I mean buyer and and Bornhold are kind of like like his right hand men basically Mm -hmm. at least that's the position that they seem to have kind of taken on so they're men that he trusts and for one of them to feel so passionately about Perrin's guilt that had to have like really pulled on Galad in his decision making and then to have his mother who he thought was dead and is now suddenly alive in front of him and offering advice like his whole world has flipped. So yeah. there's just there has to be a lot going through him at this time. And I feel like in very Robert Jordan fashion, Morghese is right there. She knows exactly what to say to get him to think. And you're just like, 
Light be praised. Thanks. And too, what's interesting <laughs> is she doesn't she doesn't come right out and say it. She kind of alludes to it and makes him think it out for yep. himself. Yep. And like she I don't questions know. I love him. more gays. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't she doesn't it's very Socratic of her. Like she uses mm-hmm. that like, here's the question. I know you are a good man. You will come to the right answer, but somebody And then needs she to gives the decision you. to him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's crazy is, oh, God, all of this is going on. And then the White Cloaks are attacked by Trollocs. Right. And, you know, Child Buyer, I think, I don't remember if Bornhold said it too, but they're like, he brought them. He brought them. Mm-hmm. But they're, the White Cloaks are just getting their asses handed to them. Yep. And, and Galad, if I remember right, he was like, oh, shit, like, they are not ready for a real fight. Like, mm-hmm. this is the first time they've experienced a real, like, fight with, you know, with shadow spawn. Most of them think and, that they don't think that they're real. Right, and they're just getting destroyed. And yep. then Galad has this realization that, like, like you said, like, shit, maybe, you know, the light isn't actually on our side and we are just normal people like anyone else and mm-hmm. we weren't protected. Like, our God wasn't there to save us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I really like about the way that that gets set up is how Perrin starts positioning his army to oh, so good. the area above where the White Cloaks have camped and everybody mm-hmm. is like, oh, my gosh, Perrin's actually going to attack, attack the White Cloaks. Them. And then when he, like, like starts pointing in the opposite direction, everyone's yeah, like, they start, oh, my they gosh. Start fi- like, yeah, he has mm-hmm. all of the longbows firing arrows. Like, I think it was, like, behind the White Cloaks from the direction that the Trollocs were coming. Yeah, and I then feel- there's this moment of like panic and then he leads his army down mm-hmm. to, to like, like catch the Trollocs almost from behind yes. to be able to get to help the white cloaks and I mean mm-hmm. the realization that Perrin just swooped in and ris- risked his people's lives to defend white cloaks like doesn't he give Galad his horse even Galad like breaks his leg or something yeah I think he has like, to like ride behind him for a while yeah. until he gets a horse. I don't remember. Those battle scenes are always so much, even if they're, they're really yeah. good. It's so There's hard to so catch all the details. On. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think that's one of those things. And I think that that so often really does mimic faith and faith crises, mm-hmm. you know, like every, mm-hmm. I think everyone has like a, a moment when they question their faith and some people come on the, out the other side still adhering to their faith and feeling stronger about it and other people don't and other people have breakdowns like Glad does for a moment and I think it's mm-hmm. totally understandable for him to be in a place where he's kind of questioning everything at this time I mean, the last battle's like right around the corner right. so right. I mean if you're going to question your life at any point this might not be such a bad time <laughs> to do it you know <laughs> true Get yourself right. Right? What are my beliefs? Or maybe it's not the best time to have an existential crisis. But (laughs) I don't know. Either way, it seems seems like there is a possibility of redemption for the White Cloaks. I think it is possible. I am potentially too optimistic, but I would like to believe that the idea of peace would settle in after so much 
self-destruction, you know, like, yeah. And for that to have been. You would think after this giant battle, they would feel some type of unity towards yeah. each other. I don't know about the Sean Chen. Right. I don't believe that they will change their ways. Mm-mm. But with the White Cloaks, I feel like there's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And this is another part, too, when all of that is going on, you know, we see Dane Bornholt as one of the most, like, fervent, like, he's he's really, like, 100% in to mm-hmm. the whole <laughs> way of life with the White Cloaks. Mm-hmm. But when Child Buyer goes after Perrin, doesn't he, like, he murders, like, he murders him. He, he murders Buyer. Mm-hmm. And there's just kind of that moment where he's like, fuck, you know, and then he's having this end like existential crisis like yep i yep. just murdered my friends to yep. save this guy's life who i hate who mm-hmm. killed my father yeah wow wow it's a really good like it's just it's what i love it's what i love about the series is the the emotional quandaries that like it's just uh, layers and layers and layers. Yeah. Am I am I happy about this? Am I mad about this? Am I relieved that this has happened? You know, like just so many things. Like I, I cannot even imagine having to kill someone who is my friend, even if I believed it was right enough to do it. You know, like right. that's it sounds like traumatic shit. So. Yeah, I feel I feel like this these series have so much there's so much like PTSD in here. There's so much awful things going on and it's just I don't know how people get through it and I know a lot of people get annoyed where they're like, "Well, this person is just moping and this other person doesn't want to listen to anyone and this person is just sad all the time." And I'm like, "Oh my god, like if I went through like one of those things, I would be curled up in my bed for a year." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I would say, and not to go too far off topic, but I would say for me, the person who gets knocked around a lot, that's a lot of people, but a queen, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to say a queen. Like for me, it's, I agree 100%. Yeah. I don't really want to get into it because someday we'll just do a whole queen episode. I'm sure because I just, we will have to, uh, um, we have to. But I would rather do favorite white cloak moments. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking for a long time, Mm -hmm. Um, which is fine. I've had a great time. But uh, favorite white cloak moments. Uh, So for me, the first one that comes to mind is the um, fight scene between Eamon, Valda, and Galad. And like in this moment, Galad feels righteousness under the light. We'll see him through this trial by combat that he's demanded. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about like how much I So Galad is at this point where he feels like Eamon Valda killed his mother. Is he aware at this point that Eamon Valda has also raped his mother? I I think I think he knows of the abuse, but it's not – I think it's, like, alluded to. Like, okay. he, he knows she was abused, but he's assuming that it was much worse than what – Than like, what just, he's being told. Yeah. Yeah, people are probably being careful around his feelings he, to an yeah, extent. Yeah, like, he, 
Yeah, and he knows what the Inquisitors are capable of. So That's true. That's true. Um, so directly after this battle has basically been like turned into something near sacred, you know, he, the I think it says... I don't think it says. It says in the book, under the light, we are gathered to witness trial beneath the light, a sacred right of any child of the light. Valda walks toward God. <laughs> Valda walks toward Gilad. All cat crosses the cart. I can't even speak. All cat <laughs> crosses the courtyard. Arrogance. And the book says his smile was all contempt this time. Nothing to say, boy. Small wonder, considering that a blade master is going to cut your head off in about one minute. I want one thing straight in your mind before I kill you, though. The wench was hale the last I saw her, and if she's dead now, I'll regret it. That smile deepened, both in humor and disdain. She was the best ride I ever had, and I hope to ride her again one day. Seriously, fuck Valda. Right? I honestly want to make buttons, like little pins that just say fuck Valda Valda. on them. (laughs) So this, of course, is a ploy to rile Galad and make him so angry that when he's like he's not thinking correctly Mm -hmm. he's too emotional in his motions as he goes about fighting um but i think it's just an example of how downright dirty this man is like just reading that quote makes me want to take a shower or like at the very least rinse my mouth out with full strength double the alcohol listerine or something (laughs) like just gross i mean seriously gross right Mm -hmm. like i don't know it just to say that to someone who was raised by the woman you're talking about yeah i think this is the these characters i think might be some of the darkest within the books and it's because it's it's like a human darkness it's not Mm -hmm. this like mythical creatures and the dark one and like fantasy like this is like crime scene crime story dirty gross just it's awful mafia boss style like yeah i agree i agree completely um but i'm gonna i'm gonna keep myself from reading like the whole fight scene between uh and galad it's beautiful i'm sure like anyone that's read it would agree that it's just (laughs) it's so elegant do you know what I mean? Like anytime is, there's like one of those like battle moments with sword masters or blade masters, I'm just like, ooh, what's gonna happen now? No, it's so good. It's like that those chapters <clears throat> in New Spring that we both like <laughs> that we both would die for. They're so good. Chapters fifteen and sixteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will yeah. always remember. Cause and and that's what comes across in this in this scene as well, is just how thought out and masterful this whole dance of blades really is and how much attention Jordan gives it and how beautifully it comes across. And I know this, I believe, I think this is is almost, go ahead. No, it is almost sort of like a representation of like the actual light versus the dark and someone with the good intentions winning and having the light on his side against this piece of shit (laughs) yeah so (laughs) and you know what for once it like lined up the way that it should like 
whether or not Valda killed Morghese, taking his life was most definitely retribution for probably a lot of shit things done that that man committed. You know what I mean? Like, he's mm-hmm. just, he's a piece of shit. I don't necessarily mind too much when he dies. Nope. So... The most they could satisfying... have killed him even harder. <laughs> they would have minded. <laughs> but his, Put him his... in the chokey. <laughs> the most satisfying moment, of course, is at the end of the of the fight. And in the book, it says, For a moment, it seemed the man was unaware he had been hit. He took a step, began what might have been stones falling from a cliff. Then his eyes widened, and he staggered, the sword falling from his grip to clatter on the paving stones as he sank to his knees. His hands went to the huge gash across his body as though trying to hold his insides within him, and his mouth opened, glassy eyes fixed on Galad's face. Whatever he intended to say, it was blood that poured out over his chin. He toppled onto his face and lay still. Talk about something that I can't wait to see on the TV show if they do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not one of those people that like to see rape in fantasy because sometimes it's gratuitous and it's just like, oh, this woman can overcome something terrible. And I I mean, I don't know. Terrible as being raped. Right. Yeah. And I don't, you know, necessarily want to see something like that. But if they allude to it Mm -hmm. and they give, maybe they create, I think, no, I think Emin, I think Valda has been cast. I think. Ooh. I'll have to look that back, look that up. But, um, yeah, I mean, this would make for one of those, like, cheering, like, throw your popcorn moments where you're just like, oh, God, finally, like, mm-hmm. oh, he was the worst. Yeah. So, I don't especially, know. Especially if they do it, because Galad plays Valda in that fight scene. Like, he slows himself down enough to make Valda feel as though he's safe and that right. Galad is starting to be worn down by him, which allows Galad to be able to make the blow that kills Valda in the first place. But if you're watching that and you're not reading his inner monologue of what he's intentionally that, doing, it reminds- looks like Galad would probably be on the losing end of that. And you're like, yeah, <gasps> yeah, that reminds me of what Tim was talking about. He was bringing up um, like parallels with Dune and there's a similar moment in Dune where there's a fight scene and it kind of, you know, like it, it's kind of similar, mm. but it's really cool. I mean, I don't know. Just like you said, like it's it's this like flowery written, deathly, deadly, dreary, mm-hmm. dark <laughs> fight. And finally, there's just a little bit of like, ah, like mm-hmm. finally. The right side won. I, yep. I like Morghese. I think she's I think she's good people. I, I you love know? more gays. So I'm, really... I'm thankful that she gets avenged. She fucking deserves it. And so does everyone right? else that that man did terrible and things she is, to. She is so strong. Like, mm-hmm. I love her. And in the, in, the, um, in the moments where she's captured and made guy shine with Fael and she's trying to, you know, like, just flicker a little bit of channeling to make this piece of cloth move. 
And I'm just like, I want to cry for her. I'm just like, oh, Morgay's like, I love you. You're so great. Like, mm-hmm. keep going. You can do it. I know you can. I have faith in you. That's <laughs> one of those moments where I'm thankful Fayol is there. Because yes. isn't that what she does for Morgay's? Is she yeah. like, she holds her and she's like, you can do this. You can do this. You can find mm-hmm. that within you. You've, you're so strong. And I just, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's powerful. There's so many but, good points. Yeah, so I'm going to get into my favorite yeah, white yeah, quote yeah. moment. And it's it's basically what I love about this is that he's not really officially a white cloak. He's just right. a, like, he works for them. Mm-hmm. But it's the whole storyline of Seven Baller and how he's revealed to be the actual spy master for the children. And I love the fact that he hates Valda so much <laughs> for what he did to Pedro Nile that he actually like smuggles more gays out of the fortress. Mm-hmm. And at first I was really worried. I was like, this guy is going to do right? something awful. Right. And it just like, turns trade out them for casks of wine right? or something. But something right? like something bad was going to happen. Yeah, that's, what I that's exactly thought. what I thought. And then like it's kind of revealed and you're like, OK, well, this guy is pretty cool. Yeah. And I love that we get to see like this mysterious agent working for Page and Niall. One, because Niall is a really interesting character. He and really two, is. two, because it explains how the Children of Light had managed to stay in power for so long. Mm -hmm. They had such an efficient spy master, and this Mm -hmm. guy is just, wow, he's awesome. We Mm -hmm. talked about, I talked about him a lot on our episode with Rob from Mm -hmm. Malkier Talks. The episode is on his podcast, and it was the side character segue. That was such a good one. It was fun. Mm -hmm. But, um, so, you know, there, (laughs) after, you know, Balwer is gone and Niall is dead. Like mm-hmm. we get this attack on the fortress from the shot. Yeah, Balwer's still. They're all there at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. Balwer's still there. But the Shan Chen come in and just wreak havoc on the yep. fortress. And this is one of those situations where there are two forces that are both bad guys, and I'm left cheering on the Shan Chen. I know, yeah, right? Like, I hate that- them, but. That okay. moment where it says something about how, like, one of them saw a dark shadow swoop, like, across the window and land on the top of one of the don't they ramparts think it was or a, something. Don't they think it was, like, a drakkar or something? And then it's actually one of the Shan Chen... Um, R- R- uh, Rakan? Rakan? Yeah, something like that. The The big flying lizard. Yeah. I swear I know words. Um, Toe rocking, I think. Yeah. But I mean to like just see that and be like, that can't possibly be. Am I hallucinating? Yeah, but you as the reader are suddenly going, uh, what's going to happen? And I mean then to have more gays. This is, Sanchen are bad, but it was a good thing that they swooped in. When they did for like more Daniel, <laughs> like we said with Daniel from the Black Tower, like I don't hate them in this moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird how like some people that you really just don't want to see do something that you're cheering on suddenly do, and you're in that conflict. Like it area. feels wrong, but yeah, right. <laughs> but right, like this is what you should be doing. And then yeah, so I mean to be honest, that whole all this these chapters leading up to it with more gays. I mean, it really pains me to read it, mm-hmm. but 
it's yeah, it's gratifying to watch the Sean Shen just come in and. Mm-hmm. And I really one of the things that I think is super interesting about Balwer as well is his progression of people that he kind of attaches his loyalty to. So like first he works to get the queen or former queen out of Amador. Well, first then, he had major, major respect for Pedro Nile. Pedro Nile. was good point. He thought yeah. he was a honorable man, which is true. Yeah. And I'm glad that you bring that up because he's our, he's our connection to the white cloaks is that's, and I mean, really for him to go from consulting informing the head of the white cloaks to then being the person who consults Perrin mm-hmm. who the white cloaks have as like number one on their to kill list for many of it's, them. Yeah, it's almost like when he realized who Perrin was, he was like, oh. Oh. Like this would be the perfect revenge against <laughs> The white cloaks. Yeah. Yeah. And then after Perrin, he I'll show you. Yeah. He starts working with uh, Rand, like, before the last battle. So he just, like, I'm like, I honestly think, I honestly think he should have been with Fael to deliver the horn Mm. of Valier. Ooh, that would have been so much better. I just, I feel like he is always serving the same purpose regardless of who he's giving the information to. So I feel like when Balwer was working with uh, Pedrin Nial, he was doing what he felt was for the best, not just for mm-hmm. the children, but for like the people around them. And so he was able, and I feel like he tried to be as non-biased as possible when like revealing information without like mm-hmm. tinting it too much. But he was, but. yeah, he's, he would figure he's- it out. He he's someone that could be like a kingmaker or a breaker. Oh, yeah. If you have like Balwer on your side, I mean the sky's the limit. And and he wasn't he wasn't just accumulating information. Mm-hmm. He was putting out misinformation mm-hmm. to fuck with other people too. And I'm just like, yeah. man, this guy is so interesting. He's such a cool character. Yeah, I love I love your love for him. <laughs> I do. He's probably one of my favorite side characters. I love that. He's just yeah. weird and mysterious. But I think, okay, so before we wrap up, there's only one last thought that I wanted to say. Okay. And I was thinking about this last night. And <laughs> I, love I was like, time thoughts. Those yeah, are my I favorite. was laying in bed. I took allergy medicine. I was staring at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> and so. When you think about it, the Children of the Light or, you know, Luther, the founder, he wasn't wrong. Like all of the Silver War really was creating a vacuum Mm -hmm. for the Dark Friends. And like how many times do we say Dark Friends everywhere? Yeah. And not only that, but his attention or the White Cloak's attention to... The White Tower mm-hmm. is also not 100% wrong because what we have seen is the White Tower is completely infiltrated at this point. Mm-hmm. Completely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they they were actually coming from a place of truth in some in mm-hmm. some like in some type of way. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that they were 
also used by the dark one. Mm-hmm. So the joke's on them, kind of. I mean, <laughs> there, yeah, there is, there is a moment in Tower of Midnight where Grendel, the queen of compulsion, yeah, um, I don't remember. Oh, she's talking to Slayer, and mm-hmm. she says that she has one last trick up her sleeve to kill the blacksmith to kill mm-hmm. Perrin. Mm-hmm. And this is right before Bayer attempts to kill him. But we were talking about how crazy and like bloodthirsty, almost like foaming at the mouth Bayer was. Mm-hmm. Is there is there mm-hmm. maybe a possibility that he was compulsed or like messed with a little bit? Yes. I mean, we see how Grendel uses it. We see how she directs people to do her will without us knowing about it. I think there's every reason that that could be an accurate assessment. So, okay. So, yeah, it's it's the um yeah, the snake eating its tail. So, they weren't 100% wrong. There were dark friends everywhere. The tower was infested with dark <laughs> friends and mm-hmm. they were infested with dark friends possibly and it's just yeah, it's just a big circle of Or maybe yuck. they didn't need to be infested with dark friends because they were just kind of evil anyway. You know? Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying like they were actually not knowingly like working for Yes. The yep. dark one. Mm-hmm. And it would have been so easy to just like what we've seen in the White Tower is they could just pick one person who had some type of influence and then kind of like lead that person, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. one of the sitters mm-hmm. or maybe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's possible. And the and they've infiltrated everywhere. So I oh, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if within the ranks there mm-hmm. are. Well, and I mean, isn't it Boar's? That's introduced like either in the f- the beginning of the second. I think it's in the beginning of the second book, and he's at that gathering of dark friends, and he. It's actually Keridan, J Jacob Keridan. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely dark friends hanging out in high places in mm-hmm. the Children of the Light for sure. Dark friends everywhere. There are dark friends everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be the wrap up every yeah. every episode. There are dark mm-hmm. friends everywhere. They're just everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So don't trust anyone. Good advice, Moraine. Agreed. So are we done? So yeah. So first <laughs> off, thanks for joining us so much on the road to Tarvalin. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Also, big thank you to Tim Yay. for joining us today. He's not here, but maybe when he, when he <laughs> finishes the, the, end the, series, of the series, yeah, he can, he can hear this. <laughs> so let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a Discord channel. Just find us on any of our social media platforms and we can send you an invite. So until next week. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalon.